With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Saturday episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. If you're listening the day it is uploaded, boy, it's getting close to ho-ho-ho time. Yeah, it's December 23rd, episode number 1,469. Right next to me is my cartoon. Jimmy, I got one name. Jimmy. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. 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 <laughs> Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. The field investigators in your sector have classified you as obsolete. You are obsolete. You have no function. You're an anachronism, like a ghost from another time. You're a bug-crawling insect. An ugly, misformed little creature who has no purpose here, no meaning. Uh, that's me. Uh, uh, yes, welcome to this edition of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Right next to me is Kimmy. She's always doing something new. I hope you enjoy her as much as I do. If this is your first time listening to the Riley and Kimmy show, thank you. Thank you. Yes, especially a big thank you for spending uh, the holiday weekend with us. If you're listening uh, the day this show or the weekend time period that this show is uploaded, we are a great alternative to uh, the holiday shopping experience. If you happen to be doing some last minute you know, shopping with somebody, you can take us along. Those earbuds will work. And you can just walk around and listen to us, right? Yeah. Or drive around, too. Maybe you're one who sure. elects not to go into the store. You, you're like, I'll, I'll car guard. That's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can take us along. Recommend us to friends, please. Please help the show grow. Tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show with the daily variety pop culture-based talk show with a heavy emphasis on nostalgia and retro we talk about memories and hopefully make brand new, pleasant memories, right? That's right. You can find archived episodes of the Riley and Kimmy Show on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Also, there are social media links. That's a great way to stay connected with us. We have some upcoming events the Riley and Kimmy Show will be part of. We will be announcing a very special 1500 episode anniversary event. We will be announcing that first on our Facebook page, and you can be the first to find out about that by just uh, following us on Facebook, also Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and other social media. And we have a great way to listen to us every single day. Take us anywhere on planet Earth, and that is through the platform of iHeartRadio. Or perhaps you choose iTunes, or maybe SoundCloud. We have those and more available just so you can listen to us a little bit easier. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth with those platform devices or through any mobile device. And something perfect for the holiday for the entire family, friends, or if you just happen to unfortunately be by yourself, you can have a little bit of a different type of holiday time period 
with the golden age of radio. The Riley and Kimmy Show has on our website right now hours of old-time radio shows that are holiday-based, that are Christmas-based. They're safe for the entire family. You can find those right on our website and all those other things we talked about. What is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com And welcome to a Saturday. And thank you for spending your Saturday with the Riley and Kimmy Show. They play nothing but rotten junk on that program. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? That's the big question on this Saturday cartoon alternative kind of day. Does Kimmy want to go back to the thrilling days of yesteryear and challenge her brain cells and challenge him with some pop culture trivia? What say you, Kimmy, on this Saturday? Yeah, let's play. I triple dog dare you. We'll be asking Kimmy some questions from that pop culture timeline. Now, one of the things I need to point out to Kimmy is the timeline has been adjusted, meaning it is not running in chronological or linear order, and you can help her out with answers. She actually believes in time travel answers. I I don't know if this actually works. She says it does, so you can shout at whatever computing device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on right now, and it could be anything because we are mobile and we are global. Let's just make sure she is alert enough. Kimmy, are you alert enough to to, uh, to handle this right now? Yes, I am. All righty. She's happy and alert. And here we go. Play along with Kimmy. Very first category just happens to be film. One of your favorite categories, Kimmy. It was on this date. Well, actually, we're looking for the decade that this film was released. It is a Walt Disney movie. We'll give you that much of a clue. It came out. On this day, looking for the decade, identify the movie. Here is your audio clue. The motion picture screen explodes with unprecedented power as the two masters of imagination, Jules Verne and Walt Disney, join to bring you a shattering new experience in entertainment. Four great stars give the spark of life to its leading characters in a series of inspirational performances. Kirk Douglas. Got a whale of a tail to tell you, lads. A whale of a tail or two. About the flats and fish and the girls I've loved. On nights like this with the moon above. Whale of a tail and it's all true. I swear by my tattoo. James Mason is Captain Nemo, who held the destiny of the world in his hands. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. Peter Lorre as Conceal. Sure, we're friends. Go ahead. Hit me. Hmm? Hit me. You mean that? Sure, go ahead. You can't miss it. 
<laughs> now we are friends. The most vivid scenes from the novel become unforgettable on the screen. The luxurious interior of the submarine. The revelation of the hidden mysteries of the deep. We do our hunting and farming here. Underwater? The sea supplies all my wants. And to stay in your memory as the most thrilling sequence ever photographed in motion picture history, the terrifying battle with the giant squid. Jimmy, what is the name of that Walt Disney movie based on the Jules Verne classic? 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Wow, that came across as a question, not a statement. Uh, don't really know, do you, there? You're, you're just guessing, reaching there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've never seen whatever this is. No. Never seen it at all. No. Never never seen or heard uh, Kirk Douglas sing. No. Well, you are right with your guess. It is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which would become a uh, attraction, a ride at Disney for many years before your time at Disney. Matter of fact, we know somebody in Jacksonville that has one of the uh, parts of one of the rides to the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Can you tell me what decade that film was released? Was it the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, or 1970s? 60s? You miss it. It was 1954 that that movie was released. Moving back to the timeline, are you alert? Are you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. The year is 1783. This person returns home to Mount Vernon. This is after disbanding his army following the Revolutionary War. Who is the person? George Washington. You are right on that one. I I noticed that was not a question. You actually knew that one. You owned that one, right? Mm -hmm. We're looking for the century for this next one, Kimmy. This poem came out on this date in history. Was it the 19th or the 20th century? The poem by Clement C. Moore is officially called A Visit from St. Nicholas, but you know it under a different name. T'was the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced through their heads. Can you tell me what century that came out? And bonus points if you can identify who was reciting the poem there. A very famous television personality uh, actor. William Conrad? No. no. Very good guess, um, though. Very good guess. Give you, I mean, that is very good. That was Lauren Green, otherwise known mm. as Ben Cartwright, and also Adama, uh, as he played that on Battlestar Galactica and Ben Cartwright on Bonanza. What century was that poem first published, Kimmy? Was it the 19th or 20th century? 19th. You're correct. It was published in 1823. And Lauren Green's reciting is just fantastic to hear. Mm -hmm. The whole thing. I mean, the whole poem Mm. is just fantastic. The year is 1888. This artist cuts off his left ear with a razor after an argument with a fellow artist and then sends the ear to a prostitute for safekeeping. Can you tell me who the artist was? Van Gogh? To me, Van Gogh is the finest painter of the world. Certainly the most popular great painter of all time. The most beloved. His command of color, the most magnificent. He transformed the pain of his tormented life into extreme 
ecstatic beauty. Pain is easy to portray, but to use your passion and pain to portray the ecstasy and joy and magnificence of our world, no one had ever done it before. Perhaps no one ever will again. And perhaps one of the best uh, portrayals of Van Gogh would be the Doctor Who episode with Matt Smith, I happen to think. Mm -hmm. Fantastic uh, episode. Now, Kimmy, he was also part of pop culture in music. That's, that's right. Van Gogh was part of the music scene. Back in 1972, a recording artist had a hit about him. It was number 12 on the top 40 and number 2 on the AC charts. Can you tell me who the recording artist is? And when no hope was left inside on that starry, starry night, you took your life as lovers often do. But I could have told you, Vincent, this world was never meant for one as beautiful Can you tell me who had Vincent? That's its true title, although it's known as Starry, Starry Night. Can you tell me who had that as a hit in 1972? Don McLean? Yes. Was that a question? Did you actually know? It sounded like him. I'm not familiar with that song. Unfortunately, that is a forgotten oldie, I think. Uh, Don McLean is attached to another hit, which was... American Pie. Right. I love Vincent, though. And if you have the opportunity to listen to the entire thing, and especially if you're a fan of... uh, uh, Vincent's paintings it, it, it is a touching song. And he actually wrote the song. He had just finished a biography that was written about Vincent, and he wrote that song. Hmm. It, it inspired him. Going back to the timeline, the year, Kimmy, listen carefully to the clue. The year is 1930. Ruth Elizabeth Davis, an unknown actress, arrives in Hollywood under contract to Universal Studios. Universal does not like the name Ruth. They say that's not going to work on the big screen, so they change this person's name to something else for the movies. What do they change it to? I don't know. I gave you the clue there. Her name, Ruth Elizabeth Davis. They change it to Betty Davis. Oh. The year is 1930 when that happened. Staying in the 30s, the year is 1938. Margaret Hamilton's costume catches on fire while filming a certain film. Can you tell me the name of the movie Margaret Hamilton was filming? The Wizard of Oz? Very well. I'll bide my time. And as for you, my fine lady, it's true. I can't attend you here now as I'd like. But just try to stay out of my way. Just try. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Heading into the 40s, that's where we are now, 1942, this comedian agrees to entertain United States airmen in Alaska this time of year. Boy, that, that was that was warm, wasn't it? Anyhow, it was the first of a traditional Christmas show for him. He would do Christmas shows all, well, for decades. Can you tell me who the comedian was? Here's your audio clue. Thanks for the memory of sentimental verse. Nothing in my purse And chuckles when the preacher said For better or for worse Can you tell me who that is? Bob Hope. That's right, 1942. The year is 1951. Give me this movie directed by John Huston and based on a 1935 novel of the same name is released. It would win the Academy Award Best Actor for 1952. 
Tell me who the stars are once you identify the movie. The year is 1951. In all the magnificence of color by Technicolor comes the most exciting adventure ever screened. You promised you'd go down the river. There's death a dozen times over down the river. You promised. Well, I'm taking my promise back. And directed by John Hewson, winner of a double Oscar award for the treasure of Sierra Madre. Against a savagely thrilling background, two people live a reckless adventure. Charlie Owens, lazy, gin-swilling, no better than he should be. And Rosie, straight-laced Rosie Sayers, who learns about life, all about it. Well, I ain't sorry no more, you crazy, psalm-singing, skinny old maid. Two people thrown together against their will. Get out! In a stirring and pulse-pounding story known in fact or fiction. Waiting for the supper, miss. I'm the captain, that's who. I ain't taking you along. You'd only be in my way. I suppose I was in your way going down the rapids. Then what you said to me back there on the river was a lie about how you never could have done it alone and how, how you'd lost your heart and everything. You liar. I never dreamed that any experience could be so stimulating. Can you tell me, Kimmy, the name of that film that was released 1951 on this date? African Queen? Yes, The African Queen, released on this date. Who are the stars of that film? Catherine Hepburn? Yes. And who is the... Spencer Tracy? No, who's the male actor who wins that Best Academy Award there for Best Acting? I don't know. Ooh. The Academy Award went to Humphrey Bogart. Oh. The African Queen. On our website right now, we have the golden age of radio production of the African Queen from a year later, from 1952. This golden age of radio production is not the audio lifted from the film. This is a, this is a true independent radio production. It stars Humphrey Bogart. He reprises his role from the silver screen. And Greer Garson is Rose. That's the role played by Catherine Hepburn. It's available right now on our website. What is our web address? RileyandKimmy.com Back to Trivia Kimmy. The year, you know, that may be perfect for you. I have a feeling, you, since you didn't know uh, Humphrey Bogart, you, you, this might be perfect for you. Hmm. Listen to that, you know. Okay. I mean, it's fantastic. You can actually, if you are familiar with the film, if you love the film, the radio version will not bore you at all. It is a great production in its own right, and if you hear the radio production, you will enjoy the film as well. Maybe even make you go and, and, and watch the film or find it somewhere. The year is 1959. As we go back to trivia, this recording group records this hit single. Kimmy, it would become a hit. Tell me the name of the recording group. This man moment so different and so new was like any other until I kiss you and then it happened 1959 is the year who recorded this magic moment mm, I'm not sure no magic here okay it's the drifters 1959 the year is 1964 this member of this rock and roll band suffers a nervous breakdown on a flight from Los Angeles to Houston. The event leads him to stop touring with the group. And on this date, their first appearance on Shindig happens. 
but it had been taped with him December 14th. Tell me who it is who suffers a nervous breakdown. Here's your clue. Here is the band he was part of. Who has that nervous breakdown, Kimmy? Brian Wilson. Yes, of what band? The Beach Boys. That's correct. The year is 1972. This recording artist film premieres on national TV. Now, the film has, well, it's based on an album slash song. The song does appear in the film. Tell me the name of the hit single, and then you can tell me the name of the film that premiered on this date. The year is 1972. See if you try. enough of a clue there. Kimmy, can you tell me the name of the single and the movie? Imagine. Imagine all the people living for today. And who recorded that and had the film? John Lennon. That's right. The year is 1974. This person releases a holiday single in the United States. The single's called Ding Dong Ding Dong. Ring out the old, ring in the new. Ring out the false, ring in the truth. Ring out the old, ring in the Ding Dong Ding Dong, released on this date by whom, Kimmy, 1974? George Harrison. That's right. The year is 1987. Lynette Squeaky Frome, serving a life sentence for attempted assassination of a United States president, escapes from federal prison. This happened in West Virginia. My question for you, Kimmy, is who did she try to assassinate in 1975? Gerald Ford. Yes. Did they capture her? Is she still running amok or, or did I'm she sure die? I'm sure they caught her. Yeah, they caught her after two days. That was 1987. Celebrity and notable birthdays. This person born 1921, died 2015 at the age of 93. He was part of TV heavily in the late 1960s into the 70s. You would see him in like Mission Impossible. I think it was three times on Hawaii Five-O. And he was part of a TV series from 1972 to 1976. Identify the TV series.
Kimmy, can you identify the TV show this mystery person starred in 1972 to 1976? Um, Police Story? No, it is a cop show. It, uh, well, it was The Rookies. Oh. From 1972 to 1976. Remember, Kate Jackson was uh, part of that. That was pre, uh, pre-Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. And this person was part of it, too. He played Lieutenant Ed Riker. He was the boss of the rookies. That's Gerald O'Loughlin. I heavily recommend checking him out, especially on that Hawaii Five O episodes. There's one where he plays a uh, prisoner. And a prison, uh, well, there's a, there's a riot, and he's in it. And <laughs> it's going to sound goofy here. But the guy who played Murray Slaughter on the Mary Tyler Moore show, the guy who played Captain Steubing on The Love Boat, you know who I'm talking about, mm-hmm. he's in it, and he plays the one creepy, nasty guy. Mm. And it, it's a fantastic episode, especially uh, seeing O'Loughlin act opposite Jack Lord. Next person born on this date, Ruth Roman, born 1922, an actress. She appeared in the film Champion 1949 as the wife of boxer Kirk Douglas, and she was in the Alfred Hitchcock thriller Strangers on a Train in 1951. Now, although most of her films are not remembered as classic, she's one of these individuals who, if you take a look at her photos and you read what they were trying to promote about her, I think she was uh, just a few years too early she was maybe a little too sexy for the cinema during the time period when she started. If she had made a debut maybe a little bit later, once Marilyn Monroe and Jane Mansfield had been established and Hollywood had shifted a little bit because they were very family-friendly in the 40s and the 30s and 40s, I think it affected her her career a little bit. But she she made an easy transition to TV you will find her in the 50s and 60s on such shows as I Spy, Route 66, Mannix, Marcus Welby, MD, The Mod Squad, FBI, and The Outer Limits. I don't think you can tell me the name of this person, Kimmy, and that's uh, that's not a ding against you. Although he is very famous, you do know his work. He's 74 years old today. He was a cast member of Saturday Night Live on two different occasions from 1979 and 1980, and 1984 and 1985. He co-created, co-wrote, and co-starred in the 1984 film, This Is Spinal Tap. In 1989, he joined the cast of The Simpsons. He provides many of the voices for the characters. He's like Ned Flanders, Reverend Lovejoy, Ken Brockman, and more. Principal Skinner, to name a few. See if you can identify him as he talks to Conan O'Brien here about the voices, some of the voices. And the really cool thing is, he does these voices on the fly... There's no editing involved at all. He just switches between voices. I do uh, probably, yeah, more than my share. What's your favorite? What's your favorite to do? Well, I like doing C. Montgomery Burns. Yeah. Smithers, I'm thinking uh, maybe we'll buy CBS to add to my portfolio of worldwide media domination. Mm -hmm. That's a very good idea, sir. They just just hired Katie Couric in the news. Well, then maybe we'll wait a while. I'll have a sponge bath in the meantime. <laughs> My pleasure, sir. Oh, you just watch. Yeah, My I pleasure, sir. <laughs> all the character, all the male characters are going gay on that show. I don't know if you've noticed, but Carl, yeah. I do Lenny, of course. And yeah. Carl and Lenny seem to have a thing now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Can you tell me who that is, Kimmy? I cannot. Harry Shearer, having a birthday today. He is 74, extremely talented and a great example of voice talents, uh, voice acting, because he's able to, you know, he's able to switch characters and be actually different characters, mm-hmm. you know, not just one sound. Uh, that's why he was or is highly 
employable in the world of voice acting. This next individual having a birthday, Kimmy, identify who it is and how old she is within five years. Best known for playing a, well, a character on a certain daytime drama. You know, as we call them daytime dramas, not uh, soap operas. Mm. Daytime drama. She was on it from 1972 to 2011. She had 18 failed nominations and eventually won an Emmy in 1999. Tell me the TV show. Here's your clue. Can you identify the TV show this person is known for? All My Children. Boy, that is one nice theme, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, did you ever watch that show? Nope. Okay. So you, you didn't check out the daily All My Children updates that they used to have. They used to have mm, those things. No. Nope. No. Okay. Can you tell me the actress, Kimmy, with the clues we gave you? Susan Lucci. That's correct. How old is Susan Lucci today within five years? Oh, 70? She's 71. In 1996, TV Guide ranked Lucci number 37 on its 50 greatest TV stars of all time list. Wow. Yeah, can you believe that? Of all time TV. I mean, that's daytime, nighttime, mm, okay. uh, all of them. She's right up there. I see dead people. Notable deaths. Identify this person who died 1982 at the age of 62. He was a director, television producer, Actor, TV, radio, and film. Here is your audio clue, Kimmy. Tell me who it is. This is the city, Los Angeles, California. It's the motion picture capital of the world. Some come to Los Angeles to see the stars or try to become one. Others come here and die. And that's what he did on this date in history, 1982. He died, Kimmy, of a heart attack at 62. Who is it? Jack Webb. That's right. Known for what uh, classic TV and radio show? Dragnet. You're correct. And I think you did a fantastic job on this Saturday with Pop Culture Trivia. And we're going to go back in time and honor something we talked about on Trivia with the Golden Age of Radio. Radio And that's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Anytime we can go back in time to the golden age of radio, we take that opportunity. And we're going to do it quite a bit here on this episode. Actress Ruth Roman, born on this date in 1922. We have two examples of her golden age of radio days. The first one's called The Shining Rails. Ruth Roman in the role of Jane Forbes, 1954. Followed by Blue Gardenia in 1954 as well. Now that is a murder mystery. It's about a serial killer. That's from 1954, starring Ruth Roman. Now on our website, we have a couple of tributes right now that we well we talked about something on trivia that uh, we decided to highlight. We have a tribute to Jack Webb who died on the state in 1982. Now, he had a rich history in the golden age of radio, things beyond Dragnet and years before Dragnet. We have three examples long before he played Joe Friday. We have a series that he starred in called Pat Novak for Hire. And I think you will notice how that possibly influenced Dragnet. Fantastic dialogue, especially with the very first episode called Dixie Gillian. 
It's from 1946. I mean, it is just fantastic. 40s dialogue is just great. Please note the sound quality. It's not the best. It wasn't recorded on equipment of today's standards or of 25 or even 30 years ago. Also on our website as a tribute, The African Queen from 1952, starring Humphrey Bogart and Greer Garson. Right now, concluding this episode of The Riley and Kimmy Show, episode number 1469, we have our tribute to actress Ruth Roman. And we kick off the tribute to her with The Shining Rails from 1954 on The Riley and Kimmy Show. side of New York, in a not-too-choice section of the 30s, is Sam's Place. Sam's is a small restaurant. And tonight, as the hands on the clock over the long white counter crawl toward midnight, the place is deserted, except for Sam and Jane Forbes, the girl he hires to wait on customers. Sam is just getting ready to leave for the night, and as he starts for his coat... Sure you don't mind closing up tonight, Jane? Of course not, Sam. You've got a lot further to go than I have. Yeah, all the way to Brooklyn. Hope the subway's still running. Huh. Take more than a snowstorm to stop the IRT. <laughs> it took good care of the customers. Yeah. Business sure has been rotten. Imagine, not a customer for almost an hour. Too bad that young fella of yours don't come around no more. Tony? Yeah. You ought to have somebody to walk you home on a night like this. I'll manage. Thanks, Sam. Whatever happened to him, anyway? Mm, just decided and something better to do, I guess. Oh. Well, you won't have to wait much longer. Just a few moments, and you can close up and go home, too. I'm taking a dollar's worth of dimes, Jane. You'll remember to put the rest of the cash in the safe? I'll take care of everything, Sam. Guess I'm just a worrier. <laughs> Always afraid somebody will come in and hold the place up. Well, see you tomorrow, Jane. Night, Sam. Night. Coffee, please. Well, you have to drink it pretty fast. We close in about ten minutes. We? Oui. You look all alone. What? Oh, uh... Oh, the well, the boss just stepped out. He'll be back any moment. Oh. I thought maybe you ran the place alone. With the name Sam on the window? Guess I didn't see it. It's good coffee. Yes, that'll be ten cents. Worth every penny of it. Well, let me have your cup. I'll fill it up again. No, thanks. It's on the house. Last customer of the day always gets a free coffee. Well, I'll try to remember to be here every night at closing. You looking for something? Yeah. Yeah, I see it. The phone. I got time to make a quick call? I'll wait. Thanks. I'll make it short so we can beat your 12 o'clock deadline. Sally? This is Dick. That's right. Uh, if the deal's still on, I'll take you up on it. Well, I told you I wanted to think it over, and I, and I have. Where? Lexington and 48th. What time? 1.30. I'll be there, Sally. I'll be there sharp. Eight. I told you, short and sweet. Well, I'll put some more hot coffee in your cup. But you got to close up now. It's 5-2. A few minutes late won't hurt. 
And you'll eat something hot in your system if you're going to wait an hour and a half in this kind of weather. What do you mean, I'm going to wait an hour and a half? Well, I couldn't help hearing what you told your friend. What else did you hear? Nothing, except you're meeting somebody named Solly at Lexington Avenue and 48th Street. Well, I- I'm sorry if I spoke out of turn, but I-, I was only trying to do you a favor, warm you up. You looked pretty cold when you stepped in out of the storm. Thanks. I shouldn't have barked at you. I guess I'm just jumpy tonight. Well, you'd better drink up. Hmm? Oh, sure. Look, I- I'm sorry to have to put you out on a night like this, uh, especially you have no place to go. What makes you think I have no place to go? Well, if you did, I hardly think you'd have stayed out in the storm until you were so cold. <laughs> you'd be a good detective. <laughs> I'd like to be a good something. Yeah. You look like a pretty good waitress to me. Thanks. But uh, you want more out of life, I suppose. Could be. Now, if you're finished, I'll take your empty cup. Sure thing. Here you are. Thanks for the refill. So long. Mister. Yeah? Where are you going to spend the next hour and a half? Oh, I'll maybe grab an all-night movie or a newsreel or something. What's the matter? You look like maybe you think I don't have the money. Do you? <laughs> I guess too many characters like me wander in and out of this place to try to kid you. I guess you know as well as I do that four bits I slapped on the counter was it. My total capital. Say, would you feel strange if... I offered to loan you the price of a movie. Thanks. But I might not be around this way again. Oh? Well, thanks again. It was darn decent of you to offer. Good night. Night. like you're the one can stand some help right about now. Oh, it's you. I uh, see your boss didn't come back before you locked up. I guess I didn't really expect him. Here, let me take that umbrella and hold it for you. There we are. Now, which way do we go? Oh, but... Uh, I have no place to go for an hour and a half, remember? So I may as well walk you home. Don't look so scared. I meant just walk you to your door, period. Now, which way? Straight ahead to Penn Station. Well, you don't take a train. No. No, I just cut through there every night. I I live on 38th near 6th. Oh. By the way, just for the record, my name's Dick Pearson. How do you do? I'm Jane Forbes. Okay, Jane. Now, suppose you grab an arm and keep close and we'll buck this wind together. thing they didn't come up with a night like this on Christmas Eve or poor Rudolph's nose would have worked overtime. <laughs> well, now that we're in the station, you better stamp that snow off your shoes before it soaks in. Well, the man sold them to me, said they were waterproof. <laughs> you know, snow's awfully wet, isn't it? Uh, good packing, we used to call it back home. Oh, where's home? A place called Muskego in Wisconsin, not too far from Milwaukee. Hmm. Well, what brought you to New York? Believe it or not, I had a tryout with the New York Giants. Baseball? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I was too ambitious. Too ambitious? Well, how could that be? I crashed into one of the brick walls at the polo grounds first afternoon we got back from spring training, trying to show what a great outfielder I was. Broke my shoulder, and it never healed right. So I had to try to find something else. Well, how many springs ago was that? The last one. And you didn't find anything? Nope. Fortunately, I got a bonus when I signed with the Giants. And, well, that lasted me until now. Didn't you ever think of going back home? Oh, not after the send-off they gave me when I stepped on the train. Flags, speeches, brass bands. I see. How about you? Where's your home? New York. Born and brought up here. Never been very far away from it. Maybe that's why I like to walk through here every night. Sort of gives me a thrill to see people going so many different places. Don't you ever get the urge to go to any of these places yourself? Oh, but I do go. Why, I've been to every one of the places you see marked on those big blackboards. Oh, in my dreams, that is. Oh. I suppose you think that's pretty silly, don't you? Oh. Honestly? Honestly? I think it's pretty wonderful to be able to dream. That's funny. What is? I knew somebody who said it was crazy to dream. Who? Oh, just somebody I knew. Long ago? Seems a very long time ago. Male or female? Male. Married to him? No. Then you got yourself no real tragedy. No? Uh Uh-uh. Getting married and having a kid or two and then breaking up, that's the tough part. The other way all you suffer is a slightly bruised heart and maybe a badly deflated ego. You sound as if you've had experience. I have. You were married? No. Within the house? My mother and father were separated. Oh. Well, which way do we go now? Would you mind waiting here just a moment? Of course not. But why? Well, the 12.30 is just getting ready to leave. And? Every night I take the 12.30. To Los Angeles. Or to one of the stops in between. Do you mind if I tag along tonight? Oh, not at all. Only, don't forget you've got to be back by 1.30. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I almost forgot. You mean your appointment is as unimportant as that? Mm, On the contrary, it's getting more important every minute. Well, job, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, a job. Uh, What did you get for our trip? A private (laughs) compartment or a drawing room? A drawing room, naturally. That's right. Nothing but the best for the Pearsons. The Pearsons? Sorry. I told you, it's a bad habit of mine, jumping the gun, being over-ambitious. Well, it isn't that, Dick. It's, uh, It's just that, well, maybe we'd better postpone our trip for tonight. Yeah, like you said, I got a date at 1.30, and I probably wouldn't get back in time. Besides, this fellow you just told me about, he might come back and complicate things. No chance of that. He must be nuts. Why? Anybody who'd walk out on a swell person like you'd have to be nuts. You don't even know me. Sometimes you just have to look at a person, talk to him a little while to know everything there is about him. Thanks. Oh, look... They're closing the gates. Yeah. Next stop, Chicago, along those shining rails. <laughs> well, which way do we go now? Straight ahead through the arcade. Oh, but you don't have to go all the way. It's several long blocks. I've still got an hour to kill. Well, why don't you wait here in the station and get dried? And have one of the specials hustle me out? Would they? A guy like me sitting around for a whole hour? Well, that's what they're paid for. Well, suppose, suppose I stayed with you. You stay here with me? Would they still ask you to leave? Of 
course not, but... Yes? Well, you've been working hard all day. You need rest. No, I'm not really tired. Besides, I, I couldn't sleep. Especially knowing I was the reason you were chased out into the storm. No, I, I'll stay. And so the curtain falls on the first act of today's Stars Over Hollywood radio drama, Shining Rails, starring Ruth Roman. We return now to the second act of The Shining Rails, starring Ruth Roman in the role of Jane. What reason could Jane Forbes have for wanting to sit a whole hour with Dick Pearson in the waiting room at Penn Station? Could it be because she was lonely, too? Didn't want to go back to her furnished room to be alone with those memories of Tony? She knew how it had been the past few nights, ever since she received Tony's letter, telling her he had married that other girl, the girl with the money. Now, as if reading her thoughts, Dick finally says, You know... In my whole life, Jane, I never met anyone I could talk to, confide in the way I can talk to you. I mean, right off the bat. I find it pretty easy to talk to you, too. People would say a thing like this couldn't happen, at least not in real life. In storybooks, the movies, maybe. But for a girl like you to appear out of nowhere, well, it's just too pat. Mm, until it happens, of course. I somehow feel as if I've known you all my life. Well, I, I don't exactly feel like a stranger to you. Uh, this, this other fellow. Yes? He didn't make it so you couldn't, uh, so you couldn't ever care for anyone else. No, I don't think so. Well, in that case, if you really want to go to all those places the Shining Rails will take you, I may be able to arrange it soon, very soon. Sooner maybe than you even expect, maybe even tomorrow. Tomorrow? But in the restaurant a little while ago, you told me you had less than 50 cents. About 30 now, after paying for the coffee and that phone call I made. But by tomorrow, you're going to have enough money to take me wherever I want to go? Right. The appointment you have at 1.30, it has something to do with you getting the money? Yes. Why are you looking at me like that? Because a person has to do something wrong to get that much money so quickly. I don't know what you mean, Jane. I think you do. Because now you sound like Tony. Tony? That's his name? Yes. Then that should be all in my favor. No. No, that's the one thing we never agreed on. The one thing that kept us apart. He wanted quick, easy money without earning it. And I know anything like that is no good. You've got to work for the things you want. Uh, the kind of job I could get would take years before I got enough together to take you anywhere or give you the things you want. Maybe I'd be willing to wait. I wouldn't want you to. Look, Jane, I'll level with you. It's a bad night outside. They need somebody who can drive a truck through this kind of weather. Be sure of getting to and from where they want to go. And I'm the guy that can do it. I drove a red ball through Europe in the last war in sub-zero weather with the roads like glass and the snow and sleet like a white sheet hung in front of the windshield. Then why don't you take a real job driving a truck? Nothing doing. When I got out of the Army, I promised myself I'd never drive one again, not as a steady job. No, sir, I promised myself I'd be somebody. Maybe because I liked the feel of the importance I got getting all those medals pinned on me. So? So when I got home, I started going to school. 
Somewhere along the way, I found out I could make a lot of money playing pro ball, so I quit and knocked around in the minors for a few seasons. And last year, my big chance came with the Giants. I told you about the big send-off the town gave me when I got on the train, the brass band, and all the trimmings. I know. You had a touch of being somebody. That's right. And that's why I can't go back to driving a truck for a living. And that's why I got to do something big and get money fast. Like driving the truck tonight? Yes. But I don't even know what the job is. But you know it's dishonest. What's the difference? All the difference in the world, Dick. The difference between right and wrong. You ever had people look up to you, Jane? No. No, I guess I never did. I had to leave school before I could get a decent education. I had to take care of my mother and bring up the family. When she died and children grew up, there wasn't anything I really could do. That's why I work in a place like Sam's. And that's why you don't understand how I feel. You can't miss something unless you've had a taste of it. Perhaps not. Jane, let me do just this one job. Then we'll go away together. Any place you say, you write your own ticket. I'm sorry, Dick. It's the only way I can give you the things you want. Then I'll have to do without them. Jane... It's no use, Dick. I went through all this with someone else just a little while ago. Somebody you cared a lot more for than you could for me, huh? No, someone I knew a great deal longer than I've known you. Maybe it's lucky that we found out we both want different things out of life before it went too far, that... Too involved all over again. But that's just it. We do want the same things, Jane. Mm, but through different means. Where are you going? Home. If you let me have my umbrella, please. I'm going with you. I'd rather you didn't. Besides, you, you've got only 15 minutes to keep your date. Oh. Yeah, that's right. So I have. You won't change your mind? No, Dick. I won't change my mind. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. Because I have an idea we could have made a nice go of it if only we could have got past this first obstacle. Yes, I... I think maybe we could have, only... this first obstacle is the one that's important. Nice. to leave you alone to close up again tonight, Jane, but my wife's arthritis is pretty bad after that snow yesterday. I'll be all right, Sam. Only hope your wife's feeling better when you get home. Yeah. Jane, I've been kind of worried about you all day long. About me? Yeah. I've been watching you. You've been acting awful funny. Jumpy. Keeping an eye on the door and your ear to the radio and reading just about every newspaper that's come out. Anything wrong? <laughs> You've kept asking me that all day long, Sam. There's nothing wrong. Okay, if you say so. I'm taking a dollar worth of dimes. Okay. You won't forget to put the money back in the safe. No, I won't forget, Sam. A lot better out than last night. Yes, at least it stopped snowing. You'll lock up tight? I'll take care of everything, Sam. Good night. Night, Sam. Hiya. Dick. I thought I'd drop in for that last coffee on the house. What are your face? You're, you're rather bruised. Yeah, a little. You had trouble last night. Hmm. I guess you could call it trouble. Oh, Dick, I, I have read every paper, listened to every newscast, wondering if I could hear something about you. No, no, I didn't make the newspaper. Solly and his boys don't go in for publicity too much. What happened? Tell me. There's not much to tell. 
Solly just didn't appreciate when I told them I'd changed my mind about driving their truck. You... You told them that? Mm Mm-hmm. Guys like Solly get kind of mad when something goes wrong with their plans, especially after they go to so much trouble to set them up. What made you change your mind? Well, you said you didn't want that kind of money, didn't you? Yes. Well, I just decided that if you didn't want it, neither did I. Dick, I'm so happy. But why didn't you let me know? First of all, I wanted to make sure you were alone when I told you. Second, I've been kind of busy all day. Busy? Doing what? Getting a job. A job? And landing a job driving a truck isn't as easy as you may think. Oh, darling, I'm so happy I could... I could kiss you. Well, let's not let a little thing like a counter stand between us. There. That's better. Oh, Dick. Oh, uh... One thing more. I almost forgot. All those places you want to visit... Do they have to be along those shining rails? What do you mean? Well, this job I got, it's driving a transcontinental truck. Take me any place from New York to California. And I spoke to the boss, and he said if you want to ride along once in a while, it might be arranged after your Mrs. Dick Pearson, of course. (laughs) Mr. Pearson, you just talked yourself into a passenger. So the curtain falls on the final act of this week's Stars Over Hollywood show, starring Ruth Roman. Almost every large American city has a newspaper called the Evening Chronicle. But not every Evening Chronicle has a reporter and featured columnist whose byline is Casey Mayo. Casey's specialty is the human interest story, which you may find almost anywhere even in the main office of the West Coast Telephone Company. At the moment, he's in the office of the Director of Public Relations. Oh, yes, Mr. Mayo. Our business has shown a phenomenal expansion since the war. For instance, I have some comparative figures in the file here. Well, that's all right, Mr. Mitchell. I'll take your word for it. Here we are. Now, comparing the year 1953... Oh, Mr. Mitchell. Hmm? Yes? Let's save that stuff for the financial page. My readers are interested in people. In your case, that means the telephone girls. Who they are, what they look like, what's behind the voice that says, Number, please. Ah, well, I can show you some pictures of our girls that we're running in our new advertising campaign. Oh. And these are some pencil sketches made by the artist on the series. This one is Jane. She's our youngest operator. Uh-huh. And uh, Tanira, she was actually born and reared in Turkey. Yeah, uh, Mr. Mitchell, the artist who did these drawings, was he Harry Preble? Why, uh, as a matter of fact, yes, uh, he specializes in women, you know. He certainly does. Come to think of it, Mr. Preble's doing another sketch right now. One of our prettiest girls, too. Would you like to see him? Uh-uh. I'd like to see her. No, Crystal, don't turn your head. I want a complete profile. Look, Mr. Preble, I can't do everything at once. Either I pose for you or I answer Mr. Mayo's questions, one or the other. Then let's concentrate on Mr. Mayo. It would be a pleasure. Now, where did we leave off? 
I see you said you were from Chicago. That's right. Oh, and my phone number is Granite 7323. Granite 7323. Uh, thanks, Crystal. Don't bother to call, Mr. Preble. I expect to be out every evening for the next five years. <laughs> what is this between you two? Love at first flight? <laughs> Come on, Casey. Finish up with the girl. I wish there was something you could write about me, Mr. Mayo, but I'm afraid my past is all in the future. Hey, maybe you better try Nora. Nora? What's so special about her? Well, she's engaged to one of the real heroes of the Korean War, that's all. Mm, that's good enough. Lead me to her. Miss Mayo, Miss Mayo. Yes, Mr. Mitchell. Your office is phoning you. You can take the call in one of the booths in the hall outside. Okay, thanks. Uh, Mr. Preble, there's a call for you, too. Oh, all right. Hello? Darling, I know you told me not to call you there, but I've just got to talk to you. Oh, I... just a second. Who is this? Who do you want to talk to? Uh, don't hang up, Casey. Maybe that's for me. <laughs> Could be, Harris. He wants to speak to Darling. I guess my call must be in the next booth. Harry? Harry, is that you? Hello, honey. Harry, I've just got to see you right away. Look, Rose, I'm tied up now. Call me at home. I can't. You've changed the number and I can't get it from the operator. Harry, you promised me that if anything happens... Rose, happened... I said I can't talk now, so take it easy. I'll call you sometime. Harry! Mm. Oh, Harry. No, yeah, I got your call, Casey. Yeah, do me a favor, will you, Harry? Tell Crystal and her friend I had to go back to the office. The editor wants to see me on the double. Something big breaking? Something real big for me. I'll see you, Harry, and good luck with Granite 7323. Nora, are you listening to me? Yes, I can hear every word. Yeah, I'll bet. Look, will you please come out of that closet? Just a minute. Go on, Crystal. Then what did Casey Mayo say? He said, lead me to her, he said, meaning Nora. Then comes the phone call, and that's the last I saw of Mr. Mayo. Well, I see why you didn't introduce him to me. After all, I'm your roommate, too. You were busy on the switchboard, remember, Sally? So was Nora. All right, so I'm a beast. But Casey Mayo wanted a story, and it's Nora who's engaged to the big war hero. Oh, Nora? Yes? What did Bill say in that last letter about coming home? Oh, I don't know. I haven't opened the letter yet. Nora, where did you get that dress? And how much did they rook you for it? You like it? Oh, yes, I adore taffeta. And thanks for getting it in black. It'll look good on all of us. <laughs> but you don't mind if I wear it first, just for tonight. Well, uh, seeing as it's your birthday, okay. Thanks a lot. This seems a wasted scenery to get all dressed up like this and then just spend the evening at home. It's the way I want it. Mm-hmm. You know, honey, Homer and I wouldn't mind your coming along on our date tonight. Homer might even forget the movie and take us dancing. Oh, I know. It's sweet of you, Kristen. Does anybody smell smoke? Hmm? Oh, I know oh, it. Nora's roast. It's still oh, in the oven. Sally, you oh, probably burned. Ruined. Oh. Sally, I asked you to turn off the oven. Sorry, Nora. You know I just can't concentrate. I ate dinner downtown, so well, so for me, that's the end of food until breakfast. Wait a minute. Maybe we've still got some hamburger in the refrigerator. Hamburger? On Nora's birthday? Not if I can help it. Sally, you're not going to the market. I just got time. It closes in ten minutes. Nora? Yes? Did you buy this bottle of champagne just for tonight? Oh, yes. It's been on ice long enough. I'll take it. Honey, a word of advice from a veteran. Drinking all by yourself is no good. I won't be alone. Oh, of course not. You've got Bill's photograph to keep you company. <laughs> yes, I have. Sure. I've watched you set the stage. The dining table set for two, Bill's photo propped up by his <laughs> napkin. 
And now champagne for a toast to the big man who isn't here. Well, what's wrong with that? I can pretend he's here, can't I? Oh, honey, it's your birthday. You ought to be with people. Well, I'll be with Bill. And I saved his letter, the one that came yesterday. I'll read it tonight. Well, maybe I'm the one who's stupid. Maybe pretending is better than the real thing. Well, it isn't, but it's better than nothing at all. Uh-oh, that's Homer downstairs. You're sure you won't come along? No, thanks, Krista. All right, all right, I'm coming. Oh, Nora? Yes? Save me the champagne cork. <laughs> I will. Good night. To you, darling. And now to me. Wish me a happy birthday, Bill. No, wait. That's what your letter is for, isn't it? Dear Nora, I've been wanting to write this letter to you for so long, but instead I've written to you about other things, things that aren't nearly so important as this. Remember when I collected that load of shrapnel in the leg? Well, they shipped me to the hospital here in Tokyo. That's how I met Angela. She's my nurse. We're in love. We're going to be married. <laughs> Granite 7323? Yes. How are you, honey? Had dinner yet? No. Who is this? Harry Preble. Oh, the artist? Look, honey, let's stop playing games. You told me you'd be out every evening for the next five years, and yet here you are getting ready to have dinner with me. I'm sorry, Mr. Preble, but I'm afraid you've made a mistake. We'll discuss my mistakes over cocktails. Now, come on, hop in a cab and meet me at the Blue Gardenia. They've got the best Chinese food in town. Mr. Preble, you don't understand. Maybe I do. You've got a date. No, I did have. And he stood you up, huh? Okay, then what's holding you back? Well, I... Nothing, really. All right. The Blue Gardenia. I'll be there in ten minutes. Gardenia? Blue Gardenia? Blue gardenia for the ladies, sir? No, sorry, May. I'm fresh out of blonde. Oh, Mr. Mayo. So nice to hear your voice again. Oh, thanks, May. How's everything? Oh, not like the old days, Mr. Mayo. No, I suppose not. I'll tell you what, May. Look me up at the bar after I've had a drink or two. Maybe I'll buy one of those gardenias. I will, Mr. Mayo. Thank you. Well, well, if it isn't Mr. Forth estate himself. Hey, Harry. I was hoping I'd meet somebody I knew. Now, why? You remember this morning at the phone company when the editor called me back to the office? Yeah, you said it was something big. The biggest. I'm to cover the next series of H-bomb tests out in the Pacific. No more hack work for me, boy. Only top assignment. I see. Hey, you said you were hoping to meet somebody here that you knew. That's right. And I asked why. Well, when you have some good news, don't you like to have somebody to tell it to? <laughs> oh, no. It's so funny. <laughs> you... If you want an audience, why don't you get married? Because it's cheaper to talk to you. Oh. Mr. Preble. 
Your young lady. She come now. Oh, thanks, Louis. Young lady, now at table. And Louis, bring us two of your Polynesian pearl divers and heavy on the rum. Hello, Mr. Prevost. This is a coincidence. I just talked to your friend Crystal. Oh, you didn't talk to her. You talked to me. I'm one of Crystal's roommates. No kidding. I told you you made a mistake. The story I like to make, honey. Mind if I sit down? your table. That's right. I uh, probably shouldn't have come. It's just a silly impulse. You see, it's my birthday, and I just bought this new table. Your birthday? Then this is a real occasion. Uh, Louis, those drinks better be for us. Yes, Mr. Preble. Are those rum drinks? Uh, We call them Polynesian pearl divers. Mostly ice and pineapple juice, aren't they, Louis? Whatever you say, Mr. Preble. Can I get high on one of them? Do you want to? I don't know what I want. Only, only to forget the early part of this evening. Okay. Tonight starts as of now. To us. To us. What's the name of that tune? Blue Gardenia. Pretty. Was the song named for the cafe or the cafe for the song? Which Harry? Harry, you listening? Sure, sure. Uh, Louie, the lady will have another pearl diver. Okay, honey. Why not? Just ice and pineapple juice and soft trade winds across Have you saved one for me, May? Of course, Mr. Mayo. You've brought me luck. Oh, I have? How? Well, nobody's ever given me five dollars for a gardenia before. And Mr. Preble did tonight. Five dollars? His date must be pretty terrific. i got to see this dish. They just left, Mr. Mayo. Oh. I'm sorry to say it, but I wish that girl wasn't with Mr. Preble. You know something, May? So do I. What do you know? It's starting to rain. <laughs> rain, rain, go away. Come again another day. Still feel okay, honey? <laughs> wonderful. Oh, so wonderful. Mm, smell this gardenia, Harry. What does she remind you of? Mm, South Seas, Southern Cross above <laughs> coral reefs. Lovely maiden bathing at the foot of a waterfall. <laughs> That's me, isn't it? Sure. Okay, hop out, honey. Where are we going? Up to my apartment. I've invited a few people in. Good. Every girl should have a party on her birthday. No more to drink, Harry, please. Oh, come on. One glass of champagne can't hurt you. Oh, then just one. Harry, where are all the people you invite? They'll be along. Such a wonderful place to give a party. You can see the whole city from these windows. And a real fireplace to make it cozy. 
What was that? Just thunder. Harry, can we have some music? I feel like that. Well, I'll turn on the phonograph. I've got a special record here to remember our first date. Gardenia. Oh, Harry, I've got to sit down. But you wanted to dance. Oh, I've got to sit down and sofa. Oh. Yeah, take off your shoes, honey, and just relax. Everything's all right. Everything's all right? Oh, no, it, it isn't. You wrote me that letter. Letter? Oh, why did you have to meet that nurse? Oh, darling, you know I love you. You do, honey? I love you, Bill. I love you. That's what I wanted to hear. I knew you'd be a good kid. Oh, no, Harry, don't. Come on, baby, give me a kiss. Oh, it's late. I've got to go home. There's no hurry. Well, there is. My shoes. What happened to them? Maybe I've got them. Maybe I won't let you have them unless you act nice. Harry, please. Are you going to be nice? Oh, no, stay away if you don't. Yeah, what do you do? I'll, I'll, I'll use this. <laughs> hey, give me that poker. Get away. Give it to me. Harry, I warned you. Act two of The Blue Gardenia in a moment. Now our producer, Mr. Cummings. Act two of The Blue Gardenia, starring Dana Andrews as Casey and Ruth Roman as Nora. Nora Larkin should never have gone out with Harry Preble. She should never have had all those drinks. And she should never have gone to Harry's apartment. But what was done was done. And when Harry came toward her with that look in his eyes, Nora reached out for the only weapon at hand, a fire poker. Harry, I warned you. The night and the rainstorm pass, and now it is morning. In Harry Preble's apartment, a group of sober-faced men are busy with cameras, tape lines, and fingerprint kits. Then she must have raised the poker over his head and let him have it. Who let him have it, Captain? Oh, hello, Casey. What are you doing on a routine murder case? Well, I happened to hear the police called on the car radio. From the address, I thought it might turn out to be something for the society page. No, no, this guy was an artist. Oh, Oh, hey, Al, get a look uh, around and see if you can find some pictures of artist models. You know, something that... Yeah. Gotcha, Case. Ah, so you're right an assistant now, huh, Casey? Don't let Al hear you call him that. He thinks I just write the captions for his photograph. <laughs> oh, where's the body? Now, the coroner just took it. Uh-huh. Who found it? Cleaning woman. And I mean a real cleaning woman. She wiped the fingerprints off the cocktail glasses and the fire poker and then discovered the body. Ah, no clues then? Ah, a couple. A lace handkerchief. Para suede pumps, size five and a half. Must have been in a real hurry. Unless she's the kind of girl who always walks home in her stocking feet after killing the boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she always wears blue gardenias. 
Blue gardenia? Uh-huh. We found one on the sofa, broken off at the stem. Hey, Al, leave that pornograph alone. Oh, I just wanted to listen to... Keep the... your hands off it. Maybe Captain Haynes hasn't checked it yet. Now we have. The cleaning woman said that record was still playing when she let herself in this morning. Oh, I see. Uh, Captain, you said uh, this guy was an artist? Yeah, that's right. A girl, a blue gardenia. By any chance would the victim's name be Preble? Well, I thought you knew, sure. Harry Preble. <laughs> I, you knew him? Yeah, I knew him. And I know a story when I see one, Captain. Maybe you and I can write this together. I've got a pretty good idea for Chapter One. Yes, Louis, remember? Louis take young lady to table. Mr. Preble order many drinks for young lady. All right. And uh, what did she look like? Blue Gardenia very busy last night. Blue Gardenia always busy. That is why Louis not look close at ladies sometimes. But if you saw this girl again, uh, you'd know her, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you, Louis? Yes. Louis, no. Well, I know you can't see, May, but can you remember anything? Well, they, the girl's perfume, something about her voice or... It was a friendly voice, friendly and quiet. Mr. Mayo, her dress, it was taffeta. Taffeta? Yes. It rustles like no other material. Taffeta. Thank you, May. The police have already been here, thanks to you, Mr. Mayo. They've questioned every single operator who posed for one of Preble's sketches. And did they find, Mr. Mitchell, that one of the girls checked in late this morning? They were on time, all of them. Sorry, Mr. Mayo, but you'll have to look elsewhere for your murderers. Perhaps. Operator, give me the number of the Blue Gardenia restaurant. I'm sorry I cut you off, sir. Please excuse it. Feeling any better, honey? Oh, no, my head's coming to pieces. You're still not talking about last night. Well, huh? there's nothing to talk about. I just went out and got tight. All by yourself, Nora? Who are you kidding? Well, well, visitors again. Who? Where? Down at the end of the board, Casey Mayo and some guy. Hey, isn't he Chinese? Casey Mayo? No, the other one. Crystal, I, I don't feel well. Will you take my calls for a moment? Why, sure, honey. Maybe you better go up and see the nurse. Yes, I have. Well... I've never seen Nora with a hangover before. No, and I bet you never will again. Long distance. Hello, long distance. Yes, sir, this is Operator 27. And better known to her friends as Gannett 7323. Ladies, may I introduce my friend, Louis Wong? Yes, sir, we have an appointment call for you. Glad to know you, Mr. Wong. Maybe you'll introduce your friend, Mr. Mayo. (laughs) Didn't I see you yesterday? If you did, you didn't make much of it. Sorry. Well, shall we go, Louis? Oh, Mr. Mayo. Yes? Maybe you can tell us why the police are suddenly so interested in a girl's nightlife. Such silly questions. Such as, madam, when was the last time you went strolling in the rain without your shoes? <laughs> that was one of the dillies. Hey, what's it all about? I'm sorry, the answer will cost you seven cents. Check page one of the Evening Chronicle. Coming, Louis. We're ready, Salt Lake City. Huh? What do you say, Louis? You looked at at least 50 girls. Which one was it? Louis did not see. Girl not here, Miss Mel. Read 
City room, Mayo. Casey, this is Haynes. Have you gone nuts? By that, Captain, I'd say you just read my story about Harry Preble. <laughs> you like it, huh? Oh, sure, yeah. Especially this line. Yeah. So here's a bit of information for my good friend, Captain Haynes of Homicide. The murderess you're looking for, Captain, was wearing a taffeta dress, probably black. Uh-huh. She probably was. I checked with the gal who does our fashion page. She says everything's black taffeta this year. Did she tell you that taffeta was a must for murder? <laughs> That's not bad, Captain. You mind if I use that line? Look, Casey, if you got any real clues, I want them. Now, you know what the penalty is for withholding information from the police. Who's withholding? Just keep reading my column, Captain. You'll find it all there. Well? Al? Yeah, Casey? I want you to go back to Preble's apartment and photograph everything in sight. I've got to find a new angle, some new gimmick for the next edition. I don't get what's so important about this story, Case. Well, it's news. Beautiful girl kills the defender virtue. That's big news. And maybe something extra in case they may always pay in the Okay, but how do you know that this this blue gardenia girl's beautiful? Maybe she's a dog. Uh-uh. They're always beautiful. What did you call her? The uh, blue gardenia? <laughs> That's it, Al. That's my gimmick. The blue gardenia murder case is expected to break... Wide open within a matter of hours. The clue, which may well lead police to the murderess, is a taffeta dress, probably black. Lead the police to a murderess is a taffeta dress, probably black. Probably black, probably bright red. That type of girl doesn't wear black. What type of girl? The type who would go out with Harry Preble. Well, maybe she was just lonely, bewildered. Huh? Maybe she was tired of drugstore food and one-room apartments and a career in an elevator or at a switchboard or behind a manicure table. Maybe she wanted more excitement. Hey, gee, that Casey Mayo sure knows how to write. Listen to this. Her voice was quiet and friendly as she drank half a dozen Polynesian pearl divers in the blue gardenia. She was just Harry Preble's kind of doll. A flashy blonde putting on an act. Oh, of stop li- it. Stop it, will you? Huh? Nora, honey. Well, gee, what did I do? No, I'm sorry. I'm just so tired. After all day on the switchboard, my nerves are... Same here. We've had enough blue gardenia. Let's turn in. Okay, I'm first in the bathroom. Aren't you always? Nora. Yes? I know what's wrong with your nerves. You do? Yeah. When I woke up this morning and saw you passed out on the couch, your dress soaking wet and everything, I knew something had happened. Oh, honey, I don't blame you for doing it. Doing it? Yes. I found Bill's letter on the dining table. I read it. If a guy jilted me like that, I'd go out and get tanked, too. Thanks, Crystal. Oh, it's nothing, really. All right, Sally, ready or not, here I come. The clue which may well lead the police to the murderer is a taffeta dress, probably black. Crystal? Sally?
Hey, you there. <laughs> who, who are you? Night watchman, ma'am. Don't you know it's against the law to burn incinerators after dark? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot. Oh, you forgot that? You, you're not going to make me put it out. No, looks like it's too late now. But don't let it happen again. It won't. No, never again. Just words. The blue gardenia case? Yeah, I need a new angle. Something that'll drag that dame into this office before the cops get her. Why? Why what? Why should she come to you? Because I want her. An exclusive. That's simple, isn't it? Casey, isn't there anything in life for you besides a headline? Yeah, two headlines. You realize, Al, one week from now, I'll be out in the South Pacific. I can't just walk out on this dame. You've left dames before, haven't you? Yeah, that's something else. That kind of deal is easy. Not for me. I always hate scenes. I stall the bust up until I'm leaving town, then I write the dame a letter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not what? A letter. Listen. An open letter to an unknown murderer. Dear Blue Gardenia, I hope you'll read this letter because... I want to help you. Because I want to help you. When I say I, that means my newspaper and me. Tell us your story. If we get it first, we'll go all out for you. That includes hiring the best trial attorney in town. I run the best trial attorney in town. By now, you must be frightened out of your wits. You don't know which way to turn. There's no place to hide, nowhere to run except to me. So take my advice, Blue So take my advice, Blue Gardenia. Go to the nearest phone booth and invest a dime in the rest of your life. Dial Madison 60025 and ask for yours very earnestly, Casey Mayo. Going, Nora? No place, just out. But my dinner's almost ready. I don't want any dinner. Please leave me alone. I'm, I'm sick of you two watching everything I do and everything I say everywhere I go. Honey, what's gotten into you? Sally and I, we're just concerned about you. You're not yourself these days. Oh, I'm not. So you've both been spying. You admit it. No, it isn't silly. Well, leave me alone and don't try to follow me. What? Well, what was all that about? I don't know. Sally, I'm beginning to be afraid, terribly afraid. Mayo. I read your ad in the paper, Casey. If you'll just tell me what size police badge you wear, I'll come over and pin it on your chest. <laughs> How are you, Captain? Fine. Just burning to meet your pen pal. Hold on a second, will you, Captain? Mayo. You know how I killed him? You want to know why? Because I loved him with a passion that was bigger than both of us. The size of the passion is very important, lady, but tell me first, what size shoe do you wear? Shoe? Eight and a half C. But I could wear an eight if it was... Sorry, lady, you are not our Cinderella. (laughs) Captain Haynes? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. 
That last call makes the tenth confession so far. How many phonies are there in this town? Hello. Mayo. Mr. Mayo, I read your letter. Okay, lady. Tell me how I can be sure you are the blue gardenia. The newspaper said the police found his shoes. Weren't they suede shoes? Maybe. Go on. They were size five and a half B. The rubber heel was loose on the left shoe. Am I right? Look, where are you calling from? A phone booth on the street. It's it's right next to the service station at hey, the corner. Hey, where's the washroom? Yeah, yeah. Go on. No, no, I'm not ready yet. Hello, Gardenia. Are you still there? Hey, fella, your phone's off the hook. Hello? Gardenia? Gardenia? Who? Gardenia? Who is this? Highway Patrol, Officer McManus. Where's the girl I was just talking to? What girl? I don't see any girl around here. Yeah, because she saw you first. Okay, officer. Thanks for the near miss. Uh, hey, Case. Yeah? You think she'll call again? How do I know? Well, it's been a couple hours. All right, Al. I get the message. Go on home. You mean it? I hate to leave you here alone. It's almost midnight. Go on, I said. You're lousing up my game of solitaire. Okay, okay. See you in the morning. Hello, Mayo. Mr. Mayo, do you remember a phone call earlier tonight? The one that was interrupted? Uh, just which call was that? Uh, about the shoes, size five and a half feet. I know the girl who phoned you. I, I'd like to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. Where are you now? A, a block from your office. Okay. Come on up here. There's a self-service elevator on the side street. Get off on the second floor. That's the city room. You'll be alone? Yeah, alone. All right. In five minutes, Mr. Mayo. <laughs> In a moment, Act Three of The Blue Gardenia. The story is told about a couple of tourists who are going through an art gallery in Italy. One man, obviously tired of sightseeing, announced to everyone within hearing, Ah, you call this art? Nothing but faded paint and cracked canvas. We got better stuff on our calendars at home. An American serviceman overheard this and saw how it offended the Italians. He turned to the man and said, Sir, the paintings here are not on trial. The people who come to see them are. Well, the frowns of disapproval on the faces of the Italians were erased by smiles of understanding, and the incident was widely repeated. It was a small thing, but even small things can have tremendous results. Such acts by you and your friends today are shaping our world of tomorrow. We pause now for station identification. Curtain rises on Act Three of The Blue Gardenia, starring Dana Andrews as Casey and Ruth Roman as Nora. (laughs) 
In the dark and deserted city room of the Evening Chronicle, Casey Mayo waits tensely for the minutes to pass. And then in the corridor outside, the automatic elevator, Casey reaches for the light switch. Oh. Hello. Won't you uh, sit down? Please. Right here. Cigarette? Yes. Thanks. Local girl? What? Are you a local girl? You born and raised here? Does it make any difference? No, not really. Just making conversation. Well? Uh, Mr. Mayo, I, I want to explain about the first phone call, why my friend didn't call you back. She was too frightened? Or maybe she didn't trust me? That was it. So she asked me to... to talk to you. Look, I don't want to sell myself to you or to your friend. I told you, I mean her. All we want is an exclusive story. We'll pay for it with the best criminal attorney in town. But... but perhaps the police will never find you. Oh, they will. And they won't be so generous either. How did your friend meet Preble? At the phone company? No. She didn't tell me. Well, anyway, they were... Good friend. No. She went to his apartment, didn't she? He said there'd be other people there. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mayor, she had a lot to drink. She, she wasn't thinking straight. She wasn't thinking, period. That's what she told me. She doesn't even remember killing. Oh, the old amnesia alibi. Now, maybe you're worrying too much about your friend. <laughs> Sounds to me like she can take care of herself. I don't know what to say. Hmm. Look, how about a hamburger? What? I've been cooped up in this office here all night. No dinner. There's an all-night joint up the street. Oh, no, and... no, I don't want to be seen with you. <laughs> Believe me, it's perfectly safe. It's one of those hangouts that's either empty or you can't get in. Hmm. Just the thought of one of those juicy hamburgers and a cup of coffee. Coffee? Yeah, a whole pot if you want. Come on, let's go. into my office. I thought you were the blue gardenia. What changed your mind? You're coming here with me. You wouldn't have risked that. Besides, you just aren't her type. Oh? What type am I? The type that looks very becoming with a dab of mustard on the tip of your nose. I have not. <laughs> but I have. <laughs> Do that again. What? That. It's the first time since you walked into my office. It's the first time since I found out about... about my friend. You haven't found out very much. It's clear up till the time she went to Preble's apartment. The rum drinks, the flour he bought her. Even after that, when he put the record. The blue gardenia. Yeah, pretty strong. Well, let's see. I think it's listed here on the jukebox. Yeah. That's a nice song. Too bad it was background for murder. Mr. Mayo, you're not going to print any of what I've told you. Not until I've talked to the Blue Gardenia herself. And it better be soon. The police have her shoes. They're checking the stores to find who bought them. Oh, Mike, what do we owe you? Uh, two hamburgers and five coffees. Dollar uh, forty, Mr. Mayo. Okay, it's here on the table. Thank you. 
Mr. Mayo, I, I'm going to talk to my friend. If, if I can get her to call you... No, no more phone stuff. You tell her to meet me here at 3.40 tomorrow afternoon. Why 3.40? Because that gives me just time to make the sunset edition. Hi, honey. Oh, Crystal, I, I hope you didn't wait up just for me. No, I just got home. Homer took me to the Blue Gardenia tonight. What a mob. Everybody wanted to sit where the murderers sat. And everybody thinks that he did. Want some milk? No, I'm turning in. Good night. Nora? Yes? After Homer phoned for the date, I decided to borrow your new black taffeta dress. I couldn't find it. I I sent it to the cleaners. Then I noticed your pumps were gone. The black suede pumps. Really? Honey, I've been putting everything together. That big mystery about the night of your birthday. Where you went, who you were with. And your jitters ever since. Nora, baby. Was it you? <laughs> oh, Nora, baby. Afternoon, Mr. Mayo. Oh, Mike, has a girl come in who... Hello, Mr. Mayo. Oh. Well, Granite 7323. You know, I, sus- I suspected you from the start. You did. Yeah, I did. That's funny. You look smart enough to have gotten rid of Preble some other way. Oh, I could have. But it just happens that I didn't do it. You see, I'm allergic to gardenias any color. Now, what are you doing here? Because the real girl is ready to give herself up to you. But before she does, I want to be sure you meant what you told her last night. Oh. Where is she? Who's behind us? Treat her right, Mr. Mayo. Well... Now you know. Yeah. Now I know. Yeah. Mike, some coffee over here, strongest you got. That's the way it started. When Harry Preble called, I made the date, Crystal's date. And Nora Larkin, a country kid in the big city, winds up killing a man she'd never been out with before. But last night you said your friend, well, I mean you, that you, you didn't remember doing it. I must have. There's no other explanation. More coffee, Mr. Mayo? Oh, thanks, Mike. Okay, just holler if you do. Mr. Mayo, I know I should have told you the whole story last night, but I wanted time to think. I, I had to be sure I could trust you. And you're sure now? I'm sure. So what do we do? I... I don't know. You don't know? Nora, I, I didn't expect you to be the girl. Oh, what's that got to do with it? You promised in that letter you'd help me. Didn't you mean what you said? No. But don't you see, Nora? I thought the killer was just another cheap dame. If I'd had any idea that it was oh, you... No more lies, please. I've had enough. Oh, Nora. That's okay, Casey. My boys will escort her. It was Got a trap. You led me into a turret. Take her along, boys. Haynes, wait a minute. You made a mistake. No, it's the other way around, isn't it? You have a cozy twosome with a wanted killer and forget to let Homicide know about it? Or am I wrong? Did you tell Mike to tip us off? Mike? No, sir. That was all my idea. You see, first I read Mr. Mayo's letter to Blue Gardini in the paper. Then last night I see him come in here with some dame. It's 3 a.m. And then here they are again now. 
So I begin to figure, see? I add up. Then I go to the phone. <laughs> Pretty good detective work, huh, Mr. Mayo? Maybe you'll do a story about me, huh? Yeah. An obituary, I hope. Some headline, eh, Case? Yeah. Paper, mister? No. Beautiful killer caught by columnist. Go on, beat it. Oh, what's wrong with you, buddy? Yeah, that's a good point. She can't mean that much to you. She might have. Let's go in this drugstore a minute. I need an aspirin. Long time since you've needed aspirin because of some dame. Will you shut up about her? Okay. How? Listen. Hmm? That's music. Well, what about it? You've heard canned music before. They pipe the stuff into half the stores in town. Well, when we first checked over Preble's apartment, you turned on his phonograph. You played this record. Huh? Yeah, that's right. The cleaning woman said that was the record on the phonograph when she found the body. Well? Well, don't you see? It isn't the same record that was playing when Nora blacked out. Come on, Al. Let's forget about the aspirin. Now, do you see what I mean, Captain? No, I don't. You drag me up here to Preble's apartment, you play his phonograph, and say, this is the wrong record, but where's the proof? Nora's the proof. She said she heard only one piece of music played here, and that was a blue gardenia. Casey, she's confessed. I've got the evidence to convict her. I'm happy. Captain, a woman's life is involved. We can't let her go to the chair because of a wrong piece of music. All right. Where do we go from here? Where? Take a look at the label on this record. What? See where it was bought? Melrose Music Shop. May I help you, gentlemen? Uh, we hope so. Uh, did you ever hear of Harry Preble? Well, who hasn't? A good customer of ours. <laughs> or was. You know anything about this album of records he bought here? Police? Mm-hmm. The Haynes Homicide. Oh. Well, Miss Miller handled Mr. Preble's account. Just a second. Uh, Rose, can you come up front, please? I'm unpacking that new shipment, Mr. Smith. Well, let it go. There are some policemen here to see you. Police? The police. It's about Preble. All right. I'm afraid, Casey. This is just a wild goose chase. We're not going to learn anything here. Okay, so we keep trying. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. What was that? It came from out back. Come on. Yeah. Rose? Rose? Hold on, where's the washroom? Uh, that door right there. Uh, uh, Rose. Uh, Mr. Smith, you better call an ambulance. A police ambulance. Yes, sir. I want to die. I want to die. No, you don't, Miss Miller. You want to get those cuts bandaged, and then when you feel better... No. I want to be with Harry. Harry Preble? Yes. You were in love with him? Yes. I knew I didn't have a chance with all his other women. When he walked out, I crawled after him. And then that night I went to his apartment. I still had the key. I walked in and found him with that... with that woman. You mean Nora Larkin? 
Yes. She was passed out on the floor, and Harry was holding the fire poker. He said they'd been fighting. I told Harry he had to take me back. He said he would, but all the time he was pushing me toward the door. I knew he wanted to be alone with her. I grabbed the poker away from him, and then with all my might... Miss Miller. Miss Miller, I'm Casey Mayo of the Chronicle. I wrote a letter to you on the front page of the paper. Maybe you read it. Yes. I promise to help you to be your friend. That promise still goes. On your call to Providence, Rhode Island, sir, to P.O. Baker, there will be a short delay. Hello, operator. Yes, Yes, sir. I'd like to place a person-to-person call, please. Oh, you? Very cute, Mr. Mayo. Gee, we thought you were still out in the Pacific watching all those H-bomb tests. My plane got in this morning. Now, uh, how about my person-to-person call? Oh. Would you repeat the name of your party, sir? Miss Nora Larkin. Thank you, sir. I'll try to... Operator. Yes, ma'am. Will you please tell your party that Miss Larkin is not ready to talk yet? Then would you please leave a message, operator? Yes, sir. Say that Mr. Casey Mayo deeply regrets certain mistakes he made in the past. He'd like another chance. Another chance? Boy, if you only knew... Sally. Well, I heard you the other night. Operator. <laughs> yeah? Please tell your party that Miss Larkin is not free to talk now. But she suggests an appointment. Call later. Tonight? Seven o'clock. Dinner? Of course. Mr. Mayo? Yes? Maybe a human interest story? Uh-huh. Very human and very interesting. Read all about it in the Evening Chronicle. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at rileyandkimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at rileyandkimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.